interesting is Dante's perception of hell really influenced um, the modern understanding and appreciation of hell. And I don't know if you've realized, but hell is it's still quite a pervasive topic in our society. So uh, if you look at pop culture, there's a lot of TV shows, Hell's Kitchen or Lucifer, it's on Netflix, that have kind of themes around hell and the afterlife. Movies like Little Nicky or Constantine are very popular um, around those sorts of topics. Comics like Hellboy or Thor. There's uh, video games like Doom. There is cartoons. There are TV series The Simpsons, which is a popular presentation of hell. And there's even a music. You might have heard of this band. They sung a song called Highway to Hell. And in New Zealand, we even have a pizza company called Hell's Pizza. And the tagline is, see you in hell. Which I guess they wanted to go to South Australia too. But it's fascinating because Western culture is sort of, it's got a number of inconsistencies. There seems to be a, a high percentage of people who would ridicule anything to do with the supernatural. So God, heaven, the devil, hell, all that sort of stuff is just ridiculed. But at the same time, supernatural themes and ideas are often a source of much creative content in our culture. And I think just some of those um, popular culture figures sort of indicate that. And so it's curious that people have this very interesting relationship to hell. And I think there's been a significant change in attitudes towards hell, certainly in the last 50, 60 years. So it seems to be that for many centuries, particularly during that medieval period, right up until maybe the 18th century, hell was viewed as a very uh, intense, confronting, very challenging idea. But in the last few decades, there's been a softness, sort of a almost a trivializing, maybe a normalizing of hell, and it's crept into uh, language. People talk about things as being, or persons as being a, a hell of a good guy, or it was a hell of an experience, that type of thing. And even in um, music, that sort of reference ACDC, they, they sung a song which said, which the title was, Hell Ain't Such a Bad Place to Be. And in The Simpsons, not that that's a great indication of culture, but Homer goes to hell on one particular episode and he's um, punished with unlimited donuts, which for him seems to be a bit of a, a bit of a hoax. So I think people seem to think that kind of hell is a real social place. You get to gather with your friends, toss around some steak on a barbecue. I don't know what the sort of thing is, but that's kind of what people picture hell. In fact, Mark Twain quipped once, he said, heaven for the climate and hell for the company. But I don't know if that's what actually hell is like. And perhaps you have uh, had some, some challenges with this whole concept of hell, because it is very confronting. Perhaps you've even had some questions. You've had to reconcile, try to reconcile the, the Christian teaching of a loving God with the intensity of hell. Well, you'll be pleased to know that I have some friends who are going to come and help us unpack this. So I'm going to invite Wayne, Sue, and Pam to come on up to the stage. You can welcome them as they come on up. Make your way. So just to kind of make us all acquainted, we've got Sue, Wayne, and Pam. And um, how about, Wayne, you just kick things off. Tell us, oh, you're having a drink. Okay. No, lucky dodge of that one there. So why don't you tell us a wee bit about yourself and um, yeah, anything you think is interesting for us to know. Um, I'm Sue, I'm married to Paul, um, and we have been in Alexandra for about five years now. Yep. And um, we have a little vineyard up on 
the outskirts of Alexandra, which keeps us uh, head down, bottom up yep. most of the time. And we have two kids. Cool. Okay. Wayne, you're set now. You've wet your whistle. Yeah, thanks, Craig. Let's go. Uh, my name's Wayne. Uh, some of you know me. Um, it was interesting on Friday night. Because I shot down to Monty for the beer with my mates, and uh, someone said, "Oh, what are you doing this weekend?" I said, "Well, actually, I'm getting interviewed at Jerks. We're talking about health, which is not probably the common thing you, you no. often say in a group of guys down at the at the pub." And it was really interesting because they said, "What? What do you mean you're getting interviewed and talking about health? Isn't it just a big pit of fire that people get thrown into?" And it's just really interesting that uh, I guess that's the common, that's what people think, yeah. you know. And that they were quite astounded that we were having a conversation about it. They didn't think there was much to discuss. So okay, yeah, interesting. Well, let's see if we can prove them wrong. Uh, I'm sure I'm sure we can. Pam, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Well, I'm Pam Sparks, and I'm married to Don. I have two boys, both who are overseas, unfortunately. Um, one, Josh, he married a French girl. Even though I said when both the boys went on the OE, do not fall in love with someone on the other side of the world. Um, but anyway, long way away, uh, COVID's not good for them at the moment. In fact, Josh has had three people from his work with COVID. He also went out to a Bucks day, evening, rooms with a guy who turned out to be COVID positive. But I want to encourage you to keep praying for uh, protection over your children because he didn't get it. Um, Tim in Melbourne and his lovely lovely girl, they, they're easing up on COVID, so it's lovely for them. Cool. Oh, welcome, Pam. Yeah. Welcome, Sue. Welcome, Wayne. It's good to have you. We're just going to dive right into it. I'm going to put a quote up on the screen from C.S. Lewis, and he says this, The doctrine of hell is one of the chief grounds on which Christianity is attacked as barbarous, and the goodness <coughs> of God is impugned. In other words, disputed. So, so why do you think that this whole idea of hell is so offensive to modern society. Pam, do you want to kick things off? I believe that we feel that we above that we are above that sort of thinking nowadays. Our intelligence is so superior um, that a lot of people will think that this is a story made up by uncivilised lesser people, a fairy tale, really. Mm-hmm. Yep, okay, um, good. Sue, do you want to add anything to that? Why, uh, is, why is hell so offensive? I think that um, the modern day um, society is offended by uh, the perception that somebody might judge you and that, um, that we have anything to be judged about. And I think that we, we've set ourselves up as being, as Pam said, superior beings, uh, well above um, anything from history, and that nobody should dare to tell us what is right and what is wrong, mm. and that there might be consequences. Mm. Um, and so um, it's, it's partly outrage at the idea of being judged, um, but also... Um, think there's guilt in there. Okay. People are outraged that somebody might bring up the fact that we might be guilty sure. of something yep. um, because we'd rather deny any sort of guilt and we'd yep. rather pretend that 
I'm good enough. You know, I, I am going to hell because I'm good enough and yeah. I'm, you know, no worse than anyone else. Yeah, right. It's a um, yeah, and it's a, it's a comparison thing yeah. and totally missing the point that none of us are good enough mm -hmm. and that we're not comparing ourselves to each other, we're comparing ourselves to a holy God. Yeah. yeah. Which is a pretty big standard. Wayne, thoughts? Why is it so offensive, do you think? I mean, you had a conversation with about this with your friends on Friday night. Were they shocked or they just pretty ho-hum? Yeah, well, I think um, I think it is offensive. You know, I mean, it, and but it depends, of course, because words are important, and these questions are difficult to answer. But if if we're looking at the perception that my friends, at least, thought of at the club, where a good God basically lock someone in a cage and coax them for eternity with a hot stick. I think that's pretty offensive, mm -hmm. you know, personally. But I, I guess, you know, about, um, you know, it, it, what, what is hell? I mean, is hell a good thing or a bad thing? You know, I know it's not nice, but there's a lot of things. Nice and good are not the same thing. They're not even close. So if, if hell's a bad thing, that's one thing, but maybe it's a good thing. I mean, I know that the times in my life that have been the toughest definitely not nice and really bad turned out to be some of the best mm. so you know i think we've got to explore hell a little bit more before we just lump it in you know so i, I think it's a, i think the way it's interpreted by people i think it's an, an offensive doctrine yeah. mm. so let's unpack that a little bit because you mentioned you know locking in a box and, and poking with a, a hot poker that is a very sort of a caricature but a, but almost kind of a popular perception of hell as well so so why don't you just kind of give us your definition, uh, unpack what you think hell is? Um, well, with all of these questions, the, the only place that I can go is, is to the scripture, basically, yep. Yep. and um, what my understanding of what the scripture is. And um, you said that Jesus spoke about hell a lot, mm -hmm. um, which is to me really significant. It's not a trivial thing that we can just dismiss if Jesus spent all that time referring to it. Um, and he said that it was a place of everlasting fire, eternal punishment, um, but that it was prepared for the devil and his angels. Mm. Um, and so, you know, Jesus referred to it as a place and um, s that its purpose was for punishment. Mm -hmm. um, some people like to talk about it as being a state of mind, I couldn't see anything in, in the scripture that said that, but definitely it's a state um, of separation from God and from his blessings. So, um, and basically association with the devil and his angels. And that's not a trivial thing either. No. That's, okay. you know, I think that um, society, I think that Satan has definitely encouraged the idea that hell is a place where there's a a, a fat chubby, yeah. yeah, and a fat chubby devil with horns and yeah. and you know um, a tail and yeah. and it's a cartoon, yeah. and and that yeah all the good guys will be there, yeah. you know the the ones that have broken the rules and um, that's not what Jesus says. No, it's, he basically makes it really really clear that it's yeah. a place you need to avoid yeah. um, at all costs. Um, Wayne, what do you? How would you define hell? What is what is it? Um. I guess I find it really difficult to define, and, and I guess that's where probably I'm probably see things a little bit differently to Sue, mm -hmm. and that's probably a big reflection on the fact that I've got a lot to learn. 
and I'm working through these things, but I know people say, and, and I, you know, and I, it's an observation that people say, well, I go straight to the scriptures to get my information. And that's good. I, I think I start with reason and logic. And that's not to denigrate the scriptures, but we interpret the scriptures through our logic and our reason. Um, so even when we go to the scriptures, we still need to keep reason, I believe, as our guide, as a way to make sense of these things. And the, the concept of hell seems to me to be very, very complicated. So I, it's one of those things I'm going to say, look, I, I don't really know. I, I, I don't know, is it a literal place or whatever? I, I personally think it's probably unlikely. Um, but in the situations like this, I'm aware of how it's so little I know. Mm -hmm. Pam, any thoughts you want to add to that conversation? Yeah, I was just thinking about what you were saying, Wayne, and you were talking about, you know, the Bible and then the reasoning aspect of it, and I was just wondering about how you felt about the Holy Spirit aspect of it, like him speaking to you about it rather than your reasoning. Well, I, I think that might be a little bit off track, but I mean, I hear a lot of, quite frankly, I hear a lot of stuff talked about the Holy Spirit that I personally think is a load of garbage. Um, and that's not to say that I don't believe in the Holy Spirit. But, I mean, words are important, and these are, these are big questions. Um, Maybe it's another what is subject. The, what is the, <laughs> you know, what is, say, the Holy Spirit, what does that, what, what that feel like to me? Is that, is that my conscience? Is that someone talking to me? I don't, I don't really know sometimes what people mean by that. Yeah, I think it's a different, a new subject. Okay. Do you want to yeah. add to this one? Yeah. Um, what do I think hell is? I think it is the absolute absence of God and everything good on this life comes from God. His, his creation, his values, they're all gone. So if you just think of the fruits of the Spirit, which God gives to us, there's nine, but just thinking of, say, four of them, like... God gave peace. So if there's no peace in hell, what have you got? What have you got? Hate. Kindness was given by God. If there's no kindness in hell, what have you got? Pardon? Nastiness, meanness. If there's no joy, what have you got in hell? Tears, suffering, sorrow, depression. If there's no peace, what have you got? War. Conflict, violence. That's only four of the things that you take away. There's more. So Sounds like you're describing Earth to me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well it's going that way. That's why, you know, God in the end, he can't keep this mix of good and evil. 
But anyway, that's going on to another, another question. <laughs> so coming back to what Sue said, um, because I do want to sort of use Jesus as a reference point for this. So he and some of the other biblical authors referenced or described hell as being uh, a place uh, that was dark and gloomy, a place of fire, a place of eternal punishment, you said Sue. There's weeping, there's gnashing of teeth. I mean, as you're sort of describing, it's Pam, doesn't sound like a particularly nice place to be, right? It's basically the antithesis of God's presence, his joy, his goodness, his wisdom, all that is absent from hell, essentially, right? Absolutely. Right. And, you know, his creation as well. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So all that is good because God's presence Beauty. is not there, obviously yeah. that's, that's missing. So, so then <coughs> here's a question which we've sort of implied a little bit in our big, big question. And the question is this, do you think God sends people to hell? Pam? No. Okay. I think we choose our destination. He created us so that he could have a wonderful, great and powerful relationship with us. But he won't force it on us. It's the old puppet story. He doesn't want us to be puppets. He wants us to. He wants us to choose that relationship with him. And he has, like, a mighty plan for not only our time on earth, but our time when we move from death to to heaven, which is unimaginable to our small minds. That's my opinion. Like, there's no harps and clouds, and people say, oh, heaven sounds boring to me. It is unimaginable challenges, joy, yeah, anyway. That's Most of those concepts of, you know, the clouds and the harps and stuff, you can trace them back to sort of that medieval period, around about Dante and his sort of version of hell was kind of also complemented by a lot of those medieval poets and artists and stuff. So, yeah, yeah. Bit. Yeah, but it's something that people will often That's right. say still. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So he doesn't send us to hell, but he is a just God. And the consequences of our life will see us go to one of two places. He clearly gives us instructions on how to get to heaven, but it's up to us to say, yes, Lord, I'm with you. Okay. Wayne, does God send people to hell? No, I, I don't think um, you can make a case for it. I think if, if, if God's good, and of course you've got to look really into what good actually means, um, then I can't see a good God, objectively good, wanting people to suffer. Mm -hmm. you know, and what did he say? He's not willing that any should perish. Mm. Um, mm. I think we, you know, we make a lot of stupid choices when we effectively get to choose where we want to end up. Mm. You know, so no, I don't, I don't think he does. So, would you concur or disagree? No, I disagree. Okay. Um, I think that um, he does send us to hell because he has to in order to be a righteous judge. Okay. If we are not willing to accept his sacrifice, um, then the consequences of sin are death. Let me bring in this, just pause you there, let me bring in this um, text from Romans chapter 1. So, God abandon them to do whatever shameful things their hearts desire. Is that sort of the track that you're heading down? Um, yes, and 
just even statements like um, Jesus's um, in Matthew, he said, um, depart from me, you cursed, mm -hmm. into eternal fire. Right. Um, if that's not sending, I don't know what is. Yeah. But also I think that um, I am very um, convicted um, about God's sovereignty over all of creation, mm -hmm. uh, over everything that he's made. Um, and sovereignty means that he's in charge, he's in control, and he is the ultimate ruler. And um, the mystery to me is that he's also given us free will. Mm -hmm. So it's not, a, um, it's not an either or. God is sovereign and he has given us free will. So they're both in play. And this is one of the things where um, I think God does send us to hell, but our free will is involved. Um, and um, in his love for creation, he graciously gives us the opportunity to bow down and worship him. Complicated, isn't it? Though? It's like is trying very, to tease yeah. out just exactly how much is ask yeah. how much is God that sort yeah. of connection. Yeah, I think that uh, it's a dangerous path to go down to say that we are in control of our destiny. Mm -hmm. um, I think that that is um, where does that leave God and His sovereignty? Mm -hmm. If you think that you are in control of your destiny, mm -hmm. um, but uh, yeah, but at the on the other hand, He gives us choices as well. So it's a yeah, it's complicated. Are you going to comment on that? Uh, 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 if we're not in control of our destiny, then maybe we're not at fault. Because surely if I have no control over what I do and it's it's going to happen anyway, then one, why punish me? Or why don't I just do what I'm going to do? I, I don't know about, you know, like, I'm not disagreeing. I'm just saying that for me, I'm finding it a, a strange concept. Um, so you're saying there's a, essentially a degree I of I must have a degree of responsibility. Yeah, and, yeah. and to have that responsibility, I must have the freedom to be able to do it. Otherwise... God's either decided that I'm going to hell or I'm not, and it's really going to have nothing to do with me. I'm just going to be a robot going through life. So, yeah. I, you know, I'm not disagreeing. I think it's a complicated subject that I'd, I'd question. Yeah, yeah and I, I agree that um, we are responsible for the way we behave. Mm -hmm. No doubt about that. That's uh, God's given us free will. Um, but I think that you have to bring in the sovereignty of God as well. And um, a lot of it is... Um, are you going to accept his salvation or not? Mm -hmm. It's not It's not really about what you do. It's about who you bow down to. And a lot of people, I think, um, are bowing down to ourselves mm -hmm. and our intellect and our reasoning and the ability um, to think that we have the right to judge God, yeah. um, which I think is another dangerous path to go yeah, down. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. Pam, were you going to say something or were you just pondering deeper thought? You don't have to. I yeah, I'm just weighing things up, but I don't think I'll add any more to that one. Okay. So this is what G.K. Chesterton once wrote. He said, Hell is God's compliment to the reality of human freedom and the dignity of human choice. Now, there's no mention of God's sovereignty in there, but perhaps certainly it's implied that God um, is aware of what's going on. And yet we still have the capacity to make a choice, which is, it's a, it's a complicated balancing act, I think, to try and figure out exactly who does what. But ultimately, um, we would probably all be in agreement that people do make a, a, lots of thousands of little choices to either be with God or to be against God or away from God. And that has a cumulative effect over time and ultimately affects where we end up. Consequences of behaviour. Consequences of choices, exactly. Mm. All right. Speaking of consequences, there was, um, uh, you might have 
recognize this story that Jesus shared in Luke chapter 16 about the rich man and Lazarus. And there's a lot in that around sort of the afterlife and heaven and hell and that sort of thing. But there's a really fascinating point in that story is that actually the rich man is never given a name. So he's only known as the rich man right through. And it's kind of inferred by Jesus that actually the rich man built his identity on his wealth, accumulating wealth, and uh, instead of his identity on God. And I think that's kind of indicative where hell comes into play, is that ultimately our choices to be self-absorbed, to be self-centered, ultimately, you know, building our identity away from God, determine where we end up in, in one sort of sense. But what I think while we're just sort of scratching the surface is that hell is a very confronting, it's a very, very challenging subject. So maybe this would help if we ask this question. What do you think the purpose of hell is? Wayne, do you want to have a crack at answering that? Yeah, lucky it's a nice easy one. Yeah, um, that's what I thought. <laughs> um, look, you're just really aware in these situations how little you know, and it's hard to answer these things, though, it really is. So, you know, we're all just trying our best. For a long time, and I guess we're a product of our environment, and I was brought up in a church that I don't have fond memories of, and I'm, I'm willing to concede very heavily that I have a bias built into me. But we were brought up that you had to follow Jesus or you're going to go to hell. In fact, if in our church, if your hair got too long and it touched gears, it looked like you went to hell. <laughs> you know? So I'm, I'm a product of that. Um, so I, I, I was brought up with the hellfire and the brimstone. Um, and I just, you know, I, I just don't know about that. But, um, I was, and I was always brought up that it was, you know, getting your just desserts. You're going to get hammered for what the, you know, the things that you've done. And then as I got older and I started to think about things um, and, and read more, and I'm, luckily, I'm, you know, I've been quite a good reader all my life, I started to look at it more from, it's not a, it's not a punitive, it's not about jabbing someone with a stick, it's, Maybe it's restorative. Maybe hell's there. Maybe when God said he's not willing that anyone should perish, maybe he actually meant it. And I thought about how maybe maybe there's nowhere he won't go to try to restore us to himself and bring us back to him. And then I, uh, when I looked at some of the earlier Christianity that is not our Western, little bit of Western Christianity that probably we have now, there was this really, what I'd say, beautiful imagery of Christ descending into hell and dragging people out and I just I just thought wow that's really amazing that imagery that was from the past of Christianity of Christ going that way he'd go into hell and he would drag people out he didn't want anyone to finish and I just thought so it just changed my concept of how you look at it you know it's not jabbing with a stick maybe maybe when someone does something wrong it's one of our kids we okay we want them to they need to pay the punishment but we also want to bring them up that mosque the mosque terrorist in Christchurch. Now, he's in a prison cell for 50 years. Do we want to be jabbing him with a stick? Or we might want to do that, but if he was my boy, I guess I'd be trying to, what can I do to maybe bring him back to something? So that's that's kind of changed how I view hell. Okay. Pam, how do you, what do you think the purpose of hell is? Well, I feel that, like I said, the mixture of good and evil cannot go on forever because as far as I can see in the world evil is getting more evil it's uh, you know 
the whole thing just ain't going to work. Um, and God did say that the evil would perish. So I feel there must be judgment and that people who are ruined for the purpose which God made them will need to be separated into a place for wasted lives. Kind of a bit like God's rubbish dump, which doesn't, it sounds awful. It's very hard for our minds to conceive that humans could be treated that way, but we can't understand the mind of God. And God determined to set the world right in the end. That means the removal of all that distorted. God finally gives up on those who insist on living life their way. I mean, he hasn't just given up. It's been thousands of years where he's, he's called us all to come to him. It's not like he says, oh, well, bad luck. You've had your chance. He gives us chance after chance after chance. So God finally gives up on those who insist on living life their way. Those that choose other gods, uh, just some examples of other gods, the single-minded pursuit of money, fame, work, good looks, drugs, gang life just to name a few. These are the people that will do it their way. I'm going to live life my way. Oh, it's an acknowledgement of people's choices. So what, what will you say the purpose of hell is? You've meant, sort of referenced judgment and stuff in your earlier answers. Yeah. Um, God says that hell is pre was prepared for the devil and his angels. Sure. And... Um, and as a place of punishment. Mm -hmm. He describes it as a place of punishment. Um, and I think that um, the purpose of hell is to, um, as um, Pam said, separate um, people who are God's people from people who are standing up in defiance against God and who are refusing to submit to the creator of all the whole universe. Um, and... It's a place of punishment, yeah, which is, um, we're, we're conditioned not to think that, to, we're conditioned to think that um, anybody who is nice won't punish other people, mm -hmm. um, but if you're going to be just um, to the rest of the world, you have to punish the people who are not um, living by the rules. But I don't think it's about living by the rules, it's about, I think it's about your state of mind and defiance. So it's really God. so hell's a, a really important aspect to to maybe accentuate God's characteristic of justice. Is that what you're saying? Yes, yes, and and also um, his love of creation. You know, he he um, he has to separate the people who are living in defiance against him, um, and he has, as Pam said, given all of us and everybody you know from eternity past um so many chances mm -hmm. um his, his grace is extreme you know he, he never um gives up on us but he does accept um that some people are not going to change 
Well, Peter writes us, he says, um, God is being patient for your sake. He does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to be, everyone to repent. In other words, you know, he's trying to give as many chances, not just one or two or second chances, but as many, many chances. He talked about this characteristic of God. God is love. And I think a lot of people really struggle with the Christian teaching, God is love, and then how does that get reconciled with hell, you know, doom, destruction, punishment, etc., etc. Do you want to unpack that a little bit, Sue, for us? How does how do you reconcile God as a God of love with some of these other characteristics you referenced, like mercy, justice, etc.? Um, I think that um, it's really important to recognise that God has so many aspects to his character and that it's not either or, it mm-hmm. has to be all. And if you are focusing on only one aspect of God's character, um, especially an aspect that makes you feel comfortable and you can relax with, um, you are not worshipping the God of the Bible. You are worshipping a God that you have constructed. Mm -hmm. um, and A God in a box almost. A God in a box, but also an idol. Right. You know, anything that isn't the true God, the God of the Bible in its entirety, is not the God of the Bible. And so that is, you know, that's false, mm-hmm. false idols, basically. Um, but I think that the, um, the thing that struck me when, when you asked us this question, um, how does hell reveal the character of God, basically, um, it struck me that the, the mere existence of hell um, points to what we all deserve. So we all deserve to be in hell. We have all sinned, the Bible says, um, and fallen short of God. Um, And to me, the strange thing is not that hell exists. The strange thing, uh, mind-blowing thing, is that some of us are not going there because God saved us. You know, and that, you know, he died in order to prevent us having to go to hell. To me, that's the mind-blowing thing. Um, God loved us that much. Um, but you can't separate his love from the fact that he is also has to be just and has to be righteous and um, all the other characters of God. Okay. Wayne, how does hell reveal the character of God in all of its capacities? Um, yeah, well, first I think I'd have to agree with Sue about the justice thing. I think that's... You know, like when some when someone does something wrong to a victim, I mean that victim deserves some justice. Like for what Hitler did, I don't think we just want there to be nothing there. We we mm-hmm. think you know if for the victims there, I mean there should be some justice for them. So I I agree around that. Sure. The the um, idea of hell for justice, I think that makes absolute sense. And um, God is love. Well, uh, uh, once again, it depends on your definition of hell and and what it's for and is that saying will not the God of all the world do right you know mm-hmm. and fundamentally I think one of the, the core aspects of God is around fairness which encompasses all of his nature mm. um, he's a fair God uh, he's put that into us so we've got this idea of fairness regardless of what we believe so believers of faith and non-believers all have this curious idea of fairness and so that's kind of the way it works and so the fair thing is that I guess there's consequences for actions you know so 
This is one um, description that God gives of himself. He says, Yahweh, the Lord, the God of compassion and mercy, I'm slow to anger, filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. I forgive iniquity, rebellion and sin, but I do not excuse the guilty. And I think that's kind of, you know, capturing that justice, that fairness, those aspects. This is uh, who God is and how he describes himself. So, Pam, can I ask you this question? How does this whole very challenging, very potentially uncomfortable doctrine of hell, how does that motivate you in your Christian faith? Um, it motivates me in that it's a serious situation. Like, for years I didn't want to think about hell. And, you know, I listen to the people saying, I don't want to go to heaven, you know, I want to go to hell where all my mates will be. And, but really, there is a lot, there are a lot of horrible, mean, wicked people in this world, and I don't want to be with them. And I don't want my family to be with them, I don't want my friends to be there. I just, and I think about heaven and how short the time is on earth, and people don't seem to realize it's just a gone. And we need to be concentrating more about what's ahead for us, our eternity. And I want, I want heaven. Mm. So it's quite motivating for you. Yep. Yeah. Cool. Wayne? What? Yeah. Sorry. Do you want the question reviewed? No, no, no. Okay. And for any input, Pam. Okay. Um, so how does it motivate you? It doesn't motivate me at all, nor does heaven. Um, to me, and, and, and this is going to sound really wrong, and so I've got to be careful how I say this. In lots of ways, to me, they're irrelevant. Okay? And what do I mean by that? Um... I was brought up with all that there, and then when I walked in these doors about 10 and 11 years ago, I was looking for something, and uh, heaven and hell was not on the radar. I didn't care. I still don't. Um, and it's, to me, it's, you know, the, they might have utility and, and maybe to get people to think about a certain way or maybe to think about Christ, but, and it's like I've said before, and this is where I know I'm on the fringes, and it's a difficult thing to get up here when you know you're on the fringes and you're not in the right party line, but um, I... Is that I, Labour I, or National? Sorry. <laughs> I say, I, f I feel like when I walked in these doors and there was a pastor here that was a big part of that deer, that I caught a glimpse of Jesus. And for lots of reasons, I looked at everything, everyone else I'd ever known, and the, the figure of Christ that strides through human history, it, ha it impacted on my life. And I thought, you know what, he's worth following. Mm -hmm. And the rest of it, couldn't care less. Mm -hmm. And there was a really interesting sermon, and once again, it's going to be really bad, but I, and it's from one of the great, probably, uh, a guy, Tozer or Towser or something, Tozer. he's pretty solid, isn't he? Yep. He's not like me, he's pretty theological and orthodox. Um, and he was talking about, and he said, you know what, sometimes with Christianity, it's not until you figure out that that, that guy Jesus is worth following, even if it took you to hell. You should follow him because he deserves to be followed. 
And I thought that was a big impact mm -hmm. for me, you know? I thought, you know what? The rest of it to me is background noise. There's, I made it and I do it very badly and you wouldn't see much evidence and I'm a poor example, but that figure of Christ is, is to me worth following. And that's it. Sue, how, how does hell motivate you? Um, I'm a, a little, bl little bit like Wayne um, here, cool. su surprisingly. Um. <laughs> surprisingly? <laughs> okay. we, we have different opinions on a lot of things. Does that make uh, you right or me wrong? <laughs> <laughs> um, like Wayne in that um, I, don't think I don't think that you should follow Christ because you're afraid of hell. Mm -hmm. I think that's a false motivation. Mm -hmm. Um, you should follow Christ because you're so eternally grateful that he has paid for your sins. Um, and I don't think that you should follow Christ because you want to, um, to sit on clouds and play harps um, when you die. But having said that, um, I think that Christ talked about hell a lot. And one of the things that really hits me is that it reassures me that God is just and fair and that we can trust what he says about himself because God has said all through the Old Testament and demonstrated all through the Old Testament that there have to be consequences to sin um, and the wages of sin is death and, you know, all that stuff. Um, so the doctrine of hell reassures me that Christ is um, trustworthy. It reminds me of what I actually deserve, which is very um, humbling. Um, and not a comfortable thought. Um, but it, that in itself continually makes me want to um, live up to his standards um, because of my gratitude, basically. Um, and I know I fail all the time, um, and yet he's gracious and merciful, and he doesn't give me what I deserve, and he gives me things I don't deserve. And to me, that's... You know, that's a sort of a reaction to hell as well. Cool. Yeah. So I, I don't know um, if you found this helpful. I'm, I'm sure you have certainly broadened some of your ideas, but I just want to say thank you to Sue, Wayne, and Pam for your preparation and coming and sharing with us this morning. You'd be very happy for people to come and chat with you afterwards. If they've got any questions, Not clarifications. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> sure, that was it. Yep, come and talk to him. He'll be in the cafe. He'll be here all week. Um, but we do want to say thank you because it is a very challenging subject and uh, it's not an easy one to work through, to wrestle with, but that's what we've tried to do with some of these important topics. So appreciate your time. Thank you very much. You can show your appreciation. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Oh. <laughs> do you want to do that one? Okay. So we'd like to answer one question which I've dropped off the list. Dropped it. Yeah. Um, the last question was... Yep. What's one thing you want people to walk, walk away from here you knowing? You should do this interview. You're really good at that. <laughs> um, so, and that was a really important one for me because I have really enjoyed this whole series yep. um, in that it has made me really think about why I believe what I believe. And, you know, as, as with all of you out there, I'm sure there are things you agree with what we've said and things you don't agree. Mm -hmm. um, so my comment was that um, while these questions are valid and interesting and they challenge our perception of God, my prayer is that when your perception is challenged, that you would turn to the Bible for the truth and not to your own wisdom and also not to the wisdom of others. And that's a continual challenge to me 
um, because I have opinions about a lot of things. Um, but I have to remember, humbly, that I could be wrong and that the only place I can find out the truth is going back to the Bible. All right. Thank you, everybody. Appreciate that. Thanks. I just want to quickly draw your attention to um, the rest of a verse, which I only just read the part, the first part of. God is love, is what John writes. God showed us how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Now, Christians believe that God's son is Jesus Christ. And 2,000 years ago, he walked this dusty planet to help and to heal people. He taught people and he transformed people. And ultimately, he pointed people to God. And uh, as part of that, he willingly gave up his life. He took the punishment that we deserved so that we could be free, so that we could have eternal life with Jesus, a life of fullness and freshness. And so when Christians gather, they celebrate communion. They celebrate the remembrance of that event through Jesus' life and death and resurrection, uh, the fullness and freedom that he offers us. So I'm going to invite you uh, in a moment, if you want to share in that life, uh, I encourage you to take part in communion. It's a little bit of bread, a little bit of juice, tables up the front, table at the back, and just encourage you to consider the hope that Jesus brings now, but also for the future.